So I think part of it is, you know, like choosing that that person who who has the gifts that you feel like you lack. And I, I think another, like I remember uh, getting into an argument with Sean about something or other, and it escalated into me yelling. It was probably about something not being in its right place or um, the house being a mess. And he, he like looked at me straight in the eye and he said, D, you didn't marry you. And I was like, light bulb moment because he's right. And if I did marry me, it probably wouldn't work out. Hello and hola friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast, the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome. Bienvenidos. It's story time, brought to you by locumstory.com. Today, we'll be reading Docs in Shocks. Some docs are overworked as work works overworked workers weary. Some docs are overstocked, stopped as pandemic tick-tocks keep docs off clocks. If docs are in shock as the pandemic clock tick-tocks, then locums is the token to unburn the burnt out broken. So how many clock tick-tocks must talk until docs tick box and swaps to the spoken locum tenem's token to unburn the burnt out broken? Enough ticks have talked. The time is now in locums is how. Locum tenens tends to trend as a godsend mend to burnt out ends. For more locum tenens information, drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash locum story is your final destination. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Please help me welcome our guest on today's show of Medicine, Marriage, and Money, Dr. Danielle Manalo. Dr. Manalo is a full-time family medicine physician married to a full-time family medicine physician. She is the overtime mama to two rambunctious six- and eight-year-old boys and celebrated her nine-year anniversary this year. Danielle believes that nutrition, movement, and mindset are the primary prescriptions for wellness, which is why I have her here because she's always sending out inspiring videos and posts all over social media about movement and nutrition and cooking and is just fabulous. So welcome, Danielle. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. It's such an honor. I'm a huge fan. Thank you so much. Well, let us know, like, tell us what are you doing now? Where are you from? What kind of, what kind of things are you up to? Well, so I'm Danielle Manalo. I'm a first-generation Filipino-American physician. My parents met at a Christmas party in Chicago, and four months later, they got married in Las Vegas. Um, I know this is true because uh, I, when I was a kid, I was snooping in their closet, and I found cassette tapes with their wedding vows from the We've Only Just Begun Chapel. Um, so I know it sounds pretty silly, but I mean, they've been married they they were married for 38 years before he passed away five years ago from from stomach cancer so that's that's like their marriage story and then i grew up you know in southern california they moved there you know after the whole vegas situation and um i have two younger brothers and we were raised very differently 
Um, I remember my dad sat us down when we were kids and he looked at me and he said, you are not allowed to have a boyfriend. And then he looked straight at my brother and said, for you, it's different. And so early on, I realized that girls and boys can be treated differently. And I did not like that. So I started like doing things that I didn't think were girly. Like I hated pink. I refused to wear dresses. I was loud. Um, (laughs) So, um, but then like I went through a lot of shy, like anxious phases in my life, especially after um, at the end of college, going out of state to a medical school and my intern in family medicine, like the imposter syndrome was heavy. And it wasn't until my second year residency in family medicine that something just clicked and um, I kind of found my voice and then I got the nickname Fireball. <laughs> so um, fast forward to now. Um, yeah, so I'm full-time family medicine. Me and my husband are here in Southern California. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, so when we are not working, we are traveling the globe. Like we are literally on a plane pre-pandemic almost twice a month. And our oldest, who's eight, has now been to 30 different countries. What? So, yeah, his his passport was quite uh, stamped up. <laughs> wow. This was your husband's passion or yours or both like combined? It was both. But then the his mom was a, a, a flight attendant before she passed from breast cancer. And so I think that instilled his love of travel. Um, but I... And for those of for, for from our friends that know us, they know that I love to travel, but definitely his travel bug is more pathologic than mine. So whenever we're on a trip, he's always planning the next trip. Like I call him jokingly my travel agent. <laughs> so and I just like back. He does it. He does it. He plans it all. He plans the trips. He books the hotels. He 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 books the flights. And um, so yeah. But then when the pandemic hit, I I our thresholds for travel were very different. Um, I didn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> and he was like, where can we go? Where are we allowed to go? Where are we, what are we going to do? So that was um, challenging. But, uh, you know, obviously we stayed home a lot more. And because of that, I started, you know, cooking a lot more and creating a lot more. I just, this like low carb mama started making sourdough and I love it. And I still do to this day. <laughs> Wow. Okay. We're going to get a little bit more into that because I want to know how, you know, how you dealt with that, how you move through that through your marriage, because I know a lot of people's right relationships t- changed during the, the pandemic that we're emerging from. And so before we get into that, I want to ask you, when did your, what age were you when your father sat you down and told you no boyfriends? Oh, I was a kid. I was like grade school, like not even, not even middle school, like really, really young. So did he give you a condition or age or he's, this is like 18, 18 was the year that I was allowed to have a boyfriend. Okay. So graduated. Yeah. Did that happen? (laughs) Did he know? No. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So then you snuck around. Okay. And then tell me a little bit more about the imposter syndrome, what that looked like for you and then how it morphed into a fireball. You know, uh, I think part of it has to do with the Filipino culture. We're just very um, into service and helping others in general. And um, that can sometimes get skewed into um, the perception of being inferior. And so 
a lot of times I, you know, didn't think I was smart enough or good enough, or like I felt like everyone in the room was smarter than I was and um, didn't think that I could ever become a doctor. So then once I got there, of course, then I'm surrounded by like even more smarter people. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I I doing here? How am I going to get through this? Um, and, and there were a lot of nights where I was just up crying. I was away from home. I was in Chicago in medical school, like, you know, not knowing if I, I could make it. And, um, but I just, you know, studied as hard as I could and, uh, you know, I, I did make it. And I think one of the things that, you know, helped were like my close friends, but at the same time, if I look back, I definitely wish I could have asked for more help. I was afraid to ask for help. And now that's like, that's all I do now. Like, oh, can, you know, I, the more people that you surround yourself with, the easier the burden becomes. Like, you know, you don't have to do everything all of the time, all of the things, and that's okay. And um, that's something I, you know, still continue to struggle with from time to time with perfectionism. Um, it's, that and imposter syndrome kind of go hand in hand sometimes. And so it's um, it's always a work in progress. Do you think your husband had the same struggles or, or, or do you not know, or is this something you don't talk you about? You know, I think, I think because we had very different upbringings, he, he didn't necessarily have the same struggles I did. Um, I was like this short, like Filipino girl surrounded by, um, you know, people that didn't look like me when I was growing up. And he, um, you know, grew up in Malibu um, and didn't necessarily, I don't think he did because he's way more laid back than I am. And and I think that's because of, of, of his upbringing. Like my parents were super strict and I think his parents were more lenient. And so that definitely affected his his parenting and his kind of like the way he, he is. Okay, so you kind of grew up. Um, well, I mean, so there were not a lot of Asians or Filipinos in your community in Southern California. No, I w- I grew up in Oxnard, and um, I a, a lot of my friends were um, Latina or white or black, and I went to a public school, and so I I was just like surrounded by a lot of um, like different cultures. And the high school that I went to wasn't the high school that had all the Filipinos. They they were at all at a different high school. <laughs> So, um, and like the, the, the Filipinos that were, were in my high school, I didn't necessarily hang around all of them. I had like a more of like a Benetton <laughs> type of circle of friends. Okay. Well, so you had slightly different upbringings. So what has this learned from each other during your marriage? Yeah, no, I think, you know, one of the things in terms of like finding or choosing a partner. I, I think I heard this mentioned in Empowering Women Physicians, Empowering Women Physicians. You seek a partner who has gifts that you seek to improve in your own. And so I'm I think that's why, you know, opposites attract, right? I totally married my opposite. I'm like on time is late. He's what's the latest time we can get to the airport so that our bags are still checked in, right? <laughs> And at the same time, I'm just, I'm very structured and he's super laid back and that, you know, and you can see that in our parenting as well. But what I do see is how much the kids adore him. He is very hands-on. He makes their lunches. He gets them ready in the morning. Um, I make the rest of the lunches and, you know, put like all the fruits and vegetables in it. <laughs> he makes the sandwiches and, you know, we work together as a team and it just works. And our kids kind of see both sides 
and they get to see, you know, both sides and how they fit together to be like the best parents we can be for our kids. Perfect. So over these past nine years, what has your definition of marital interdependence become or evolved into? So I think part of it is, you know, like choosing that that person who who has the gifts that you feel like you lack. And I, I think another, like I remember um, getting into an argument with Sean about something or other, and it escalated into me yelling. It was probably about something not being in its right place or um, the house being a mess. And he, he like looked at me straight in the eye and he said, D, you didn't marry you. And I was like, light bulb moment because he's right. And if I did marry me, it probably wouldn't work out. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. That is so perfect. Yeah. And that, that totally fits. Um, tell, tell, let's go back and, and talk about the first time you met. When did you, when did you pick this guy that you married? Oh, that is an interesting story. So, um, you know, it, it, when I met him, it, you know, it wasn't necessarily like love at first sight. It was friends at first sight. I was an intern. I was also engaged. <gasps> and yes, he he went to my wedding. <laughs> like on my chorus went to my wedding. Um, yeah. And how long had you been in this other prior relationship? So long story short, I met somebody in medical school, a great person, uh, an amazing human being who just did not have the same core values as I did. So I jumped into marriage too soon. And in the Catholic faith, there's this retreat that you're supposed to do beforehand where you do like an overnight weekend retreat where you get to have those important conversations, right? Or you can do this four-hour workshop. So <laughs> guess what two busy medical students chose? The four-hour workshop. And I totally think we skipped over the pages, especially about finances and roles and responsibilities. So um, I... Like, I remember him, my ex telling me, I think he asked me the question, like, seriously, I thought he was joking. He said, who do you think is in charge of the finances? And I thought it was a true question. And I'm like, are you talking to me? I'm like, we are. That was my answer. And then he's like, no, I'm in charge of the finances. And the wife is in charge of the children and the household. And I was like, do you know who I am? <laughs> I'm like, I'm a physician, okay? Like, so that was definitely uh, a red flag. So I, um, that didn't last very long because, you know, we clearly had very clashing um, roles and expectations. Um, and, and, and then we, you know, at, at the time we, you know, we didn't have any kids. We didn't have like any shared property or anything. So um, the divorce went pretty smoothly. Um, the hardest part of the divorce was getting an annulment through the Catholic Church. Like you had to fill out these essays. You had to like submit um, any like health records. Like we went to, like we went to therapy. I went to therapy. We went both as a couple, and I went individually. And that's actually where I learned about the five love languages. Um, and going to therapy, I kind of like liken it to going to the gym, sometimes you don't want to go, but you always feel better afterwards. And instead of sweat, there's sometimes tears. And what I learned from therapy, it gave me just more clarity and courage to 
believe in myself and in what I wanted. Um, and um, it helped me get the courage to tell my parents because when you try to tell two very Catholic, very Filipino parents, and when your dad is a deacon, it might not be so pleasant <laughs> to tell them that you want to get a divorce. Uh, there was yelling. They, 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 they told me no, like, like I was asking them permission. <laughs> like, no, 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 this is not your, this is not a question. Yeah. And my mom said, you know, you're never going to find another him. And I'm like, gosh, I hope not. That's, that's not, I don't want to make that mistake again. <laughs> and then she said, um, at least he doesn't hit you. And I, that just totally threw me off track. My thoughts started shuffling into like a completely different set of thoughts that had multiple expletives in it. And um, what came out, well, I don't know if it came out, I, but I thought in my head, I'm like, hmm, my expectations are a little bit higher than that. So it didn't start off well, but eventually, you know, Everything happens for a reason. And here I am with a loving husband who's family oriented, my, who my parents love and who often take his side more than mine. So values <laughs> just line up, right? Like, I mean, this is the thing you can fall in love, you can become infatuated, but when the, the major life values don't align, uh, it's hard to, to continue and on that future together. So how did you know when you met, okay, your current husband, how did you know he was the one? I mean, so first you were friends. Yes. So first we were friends. Uh, he made me laugh so much. I, and, and he always jokes that I never had a childhood, which is kind of true because, you know, like I wasn't allowed to go out with my friends or go to parties or sleepovers, just like always homework. And the fact that he made me laugh so much um, was something that I didn't get to have a lot when I was a kid. And so that was one big thing. And I, you know, I knew right away that he definitely um, valued family. He, we went to go visit his 90 something year old grandmother every month. Um, he was also Catholic and he actually is the one that goes to church more often than I do. Like with the pandemic, he's the one watching the video mass online. And from the room, I'm in the kitchen. He's like, peace be with you. I'm like, peace. <laughs> yep. Yep. And we both definitely, in terms of core values, we definitely both value health and fitness. He's the one that encouraged me to start going to the gym more often. And then, you know, that created a monster. <laughs> um, and then what I definitely, another um, value that I really admire, um, you know, in our marriage is the value of autonomy. I, I changed my name the first time around, not because I wanted to, but because my parents made me because I had that pressure to do so and I never wanted to. And he understood that, that there is no Manalo doctor in our family. And I wanted to keep that. And he was totally okay with that. And so I knew that I'm allowed to be me and we are allowed to be married at the same time. Oh my gosh, you're going to make me cry. Oh, you know what then he said? But when you retire, can you change your name so our birthstones can match? <laughs> Gosh. Wait, what is it? How did your birthstones? I'm not birthstones, gravestones. Oh my gosh. Oh, gravestones, gravestones. Oh my gosh. You're going to be Dr. Manalo and then your gravestones will match later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. 
Well, let's, so yeah, let's dive into the roles and responsibilities that you guys have as a two physician household. Cause I know you guys are both full-time physicians and he makes the sandwiches, you do the fruits and the veggies. What is what about what about everything else? Mm -hmm. So we we share a lot of things, but like I said, I feel like I married a unicorn. He he does their most of their laundry. He gets them ready in the morning, while and I I cook and prepare. I even though I work full time, I really value our time together at dinner as a family. So I come home, I get a meal on the table. And you know, sometimes we take turns to like doing cleanup and like bath time, bedtime, bath time. But he mostly does um, the bath time. Then we share bedtime. We'll like read, pray, go to bed, do all those things. Um, and yeah, but the rest of the stuff in terms of childcare is pretty much shared equally between the two of us, which you know doesn't always happen. You know, from what I've read, even though you have two full time working parents, it's usually um, the wife that bears the burden of most of the childcare in the household. And it's so funny because, you know, when I was told that by my ex, I was like, oh, that is not, that is not me. That is, or, nor that will, will that ever be me. Right. And then when I found someone that shared my core values and appreciated the fact that, you know, I can make dinner, he's like, oh, you, oh, you cook. I'm like, well, I do now. And so I can roast chicken five, six different ways with my eyes blindfolded. And, you know, it's it's amazing what <laughs> what finding the right person can. Yes, no, I get it. Like you're like when somebody tells you you have to do something, or like we're like oh, we're gonna resist, you know, like that horse leaning against the, the hand. But when you decide, when somebody else appreciates it, or you decide you want to do it, that's different. <laughs> I, I I felt the same way about having children. <laughs> There was no way I was going to have a baby, right? No way my body was going to make babies. And then once I found the right person, look, I'm a number three. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. So, okay, let's, let's shift into nutrition because this is something I do enjoy cooking occasionally. And I'm, I'm, I get more inspired by watching you. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh. So inspired. And then also like being in the different, a couple different physician Facebook groups where, you know, like embrace your inner cook, physicians love Food, physicians love food. So let's talk about nutrition and how this has affected not only your life, but also your marriage and your othering. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So when I was growing up, nutrition was never on my radar. I mean, I'm not overweight or obese, but you know, diabetes, high blood pressure runs in my family. And, you know, it wasn't until I was in my like late 20s, early 30s. And then after I had my first child, when I was struggling with the changes that happen to my body after you're pregnant because everything changes and not all everything goes back, right? So even though I was kind of doing the same things I was doing before, like the, you know, watching my portions and exercising regularly, that post-pregnancy body was not, I was not seeing the change that I was expecting, or maybe my expectations weren't uh, reasonable. But that's when I started to tune in more into my nutrition. I started a nutrition program that incorporates intermittent fasting. So I will say that intermittent fasting is not for everyone, but it works for me and I'm able to use it flexibly. And I've been doing this for the past seven years. So yeah. And, um, you know, at first there was, you know, I did like a once a week kind of pseudo fast 
And then after I got rid of my baby bump and started to get my abs back and then some, you know, then I started to become more flexible with it. And I, you know, something that works for me and um, maybe may work for other people is, you know, I do, I kind of use an eating window, like a 16 age or 18, six. So I have like an eight hour, sometimes it's pushed to 10 hours. Okay. Let's, let's be serious. Um, eating window. And so I've been doing that. And when you do that, I, I, I didn't have to think as much about what I was eating. It was just when, right? And then it wasn't until later on that I became comfortable with that schedule. Then I started incorporating, oh, maybe if I ate less animal protein and more vegetables, that would probably be good. Or like be more mindful about the type of carbohydrates that I consume that that would be good. So it wasn't like an all like I didn't do keto, paleo, like all of these different things. I just slowly like looked to see what could like work for me over time. And it's those small little changes that you do consistently that that last the longest. And here I am seven years out, two kids, C-section. And I mean, I'm not lifting as much anymore, but I still got my muscles. Sort of kind of, they appear every once in a while and the abs come and go based on what I eat, but I know they're in there somewhere. And I just have to accept that if I go on vacation, I'm going to eat delicious things, you know, mindfully, right? But still enjoy myself because when's the next time I'm going to be in Belize? <laughs> okay. That is so, that is so funny. So what the, the abs come and go based on what you eat? Does it really like fluctuate? But how does, how often does that fluctuate? Weekly, monthly? You know, because especially in women, we have like, you know, water weight fluctuations and my weight will fluctuate probably about five pounds plus minus. It, you know, the, the abs are always there. It's just like how visible they are, right? Like they're, they're there. So if, if I get bloated or something or I eat too much or overate or um, ate like a little bit too much sourdough, then, you know, that's okay. It's, I'm still, I'm still strong. I, I, I got to eat delicious food that I made and I got to share it with people that I love. And that is so worth it, you know? And your, and your hubby. So how does he take to the cooking and the fasting? So he doesn't fast. He's, he, he's, he's the type of guy, he's like tall, six, one, six, six skinny. He's the kind of guy that if he doesn't exercise, he will lose weight. Must be nice. <laughs> so, you know, even, especially when we go on our trips, we always, we usually find places that have like a gym or fitness center or all like, I even when like with the pandemic being closed, I, I bring, I've, I bring my dumbbells with me. Like I bring like 10 pound dumbbells. I bring a jump rope. I bring my um, resistance band. And, you know, we bring our own snacks oftentimes. And we'll do, you know, breakfast or brunch, kind of just like little snacks in the afternoon. And then we'll have like our big meal for dinner. And he's always been really healthy. He eats mostly chicken and turkey anyways. He has a family history of colon cancer. So he doesn't really eat red meat very much, but he does. And we do on occasion. So it's not like we don't, but you know, we're, we definitely are more, or at least I am trying to be more, you know, plant forward. And so when we have taco Tuesdays, which is like one of my kids' favorites, right? I'll make the tacos. I'll use chicken, make it in my Instapot. They'll have the tacos with the shells and I'll make jicama shells for me. And they're delicious. I put jicama on a mandolin. I have a video. I'll send it to you. <laughs> 
And they're crunchy and refreshing and you don't even miss it. Or if I make enchiladas, because we love Mexican food, like, you know, I'll roll up, you know, the tortillas with them, I'll bake it, I make my enchilada sauce. But then for me, I'll roll mine in ribbon zucchini and that'll be my, the tortilla wrap around the chicken and the cheese. Oh, oh my gosh. I love jicama too. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. how you make that uh, into a shell. Oh yeah. You just get a mandolin and and slice it um, on its uh, wide edge. So you get like little, little mini taco shells. Oh my gosh. I just interviewed uh, Namita, Namita. I used to say her name wrong. Namita. And she was talking about a mandolin too. So I got to look up this mandolin and order one on Amazon. Yes. Just don't cut your finger off. Got to be safe. Those things are sharp. (laughs) Okay. So could kids use them or they're not kid friendly? I would not recommend kids use them. And if you do use them, make sure you use the little holder for the thing or like some, some gloves that are are, um, safety gloves specifically for Got it. Okay. And so your kids, okay. So they eat slightly, you could, they, they're not the ones fasting. They're not the ones eating the jicama shells. So can you have still just stick with Yeah. And like in terms of what they eat, in terms of how we mother, how we parent, um, I'm definitely a huge believer of Alan Satter's roles of parents who decide what and when children eat and children decide if and how much. Oh, wait, what is this? Oh, Alan Satter. Alan I don't Satter. S. A-T-T-E-R, I think it was, I forgot how to spell it, or E-L-L-Y-N, I think is her first name. And so that works really well, but it's important for both you and your spouse or your care other caregivers to be on the same page. Um, Sean is definitely more lax <laughs> with, with what he gives the kids. Like he gives them cereal every morning, which is fine, whatever, like snacks and bars and all things. And and when we go to the different places and, and, and countries, you know, I'm like, you're going to eat what the country serves you. And he's, is there a children's menu? I'm like, no. <laughs> okay. So when you go out here, when you go out currently in the, in the States, do you ask for children's menu or not? You know, it's funny. We don't, we hardly ever go out um, here in the States um, because I cook most of the time, even during the pandemic, we actually um, ordered out a little bit more to help out the businesses just because like things were closed down. So, but in general we, we do. And yeah, he's, he always reaches for like whatever the kid's menu is going to be, or like get some pizza and, or chicken tenders, but you know, it's a give and take. I have to pick my battles, but I know that since we don't eat out super often, especially when we're at home, I know that what I'm giving my kids at home is adequate. You're going to be fine. I mean, we grew up on marshmallows and candy growing up, right? We're going to be fine. <laughs> okay. So Alan Setter, tell me the rule, his rules again. Oh, her rules are ch- children. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, parents' rules. Parents decide what and when children eat. And children decide if and how much. Ah, so they decide if they're going to eat it or not, right? Because we can't just force it down their throats. Yeah, because then it becomes a battle. And, you know, and I say, um, you know, this is out of, you know, um, how to talk so kids will listen and how to listen so kids will talk. I think it was, um, you know, if they don't like something, that's okay. I'm like, just taste it. And then if you don't like it, thank you for tasting it. Maybe later on your taste will change. And so just always having it there you know, at least exposes them. I mean, if you never put a vegetable on their plate, there is 0% chance they're going to eat a vegetable. But if you put something on there, 
with some other stuff that they do like, there's a chance they might eat it or taste it. You got to get, you got to increase your chances as much as you can, right? <laughs> oh, exactly. No, exactly. I, I try and put sneak the vegetables and they usually get thrown back onto my plate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it happens. It happens. I hear you for sure. It's one of my others. The other one will, will eat more, but yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep going here. Right. Yeah. No, but they're so different. My younger one loves kale chips. Um, and like definitely more vegetables than my older one, but they're, they're all different. No, that's perfect. Are there any other like food tips or nutrition tips that you would recommend for like real, really busy physician moms and dads who are like, well, I don't have time to cook or eat healthy. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't like to cook, that is okay. You can still eat healthy. There's so many options out there. Instacart, Costco, Amazon, meal services. If you have a nanny, you can, you know, you can have her prep something or, you know, for, for your dinner when you get home so that it's at least halfway ready to go, right? There are so many options out there now that allow you to have something healthy, even if you don't like to cook and that's okay. You're like, don't have to feel guilty about it. Like a lot of people say like, oh, your husband doesn't cook. I'm like, no, I do. And you know, if, if I try to make him, like if I, if I like, ask him to make something or, and he does it he'll, and he may do it, but you know, what, what's the outcome? He may be resentful. He doesn't like to cook. And it just like creates more resentment. Like we got to, you know, play to each other's strengths. All goes back to marital interdependence. Exactly. We got to play. It's, and there's this quote, you know, that says, you know, marriage isn't 50, 50 divorces. Marriage is a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Y'all bring whatever gifts you have to the table. And when you show up, everybody wins. Oh my gosh. I love that. I've definitely heard of the 50, 50, but then I didn't hear yeah, divorces. Well, at least in California. That's it. 50 is 50. <laughs> divorces. Oh my gosh. Okay. And so what else, what else sets your guys's marriage up for success or do you have any food ritual like, or sets your household up to, to for nutrition? If you're cooking, do you have any like rituals you do daily, monthly or weekly um, revolving around food to kind of just help you and your household through this nutrition plan? So I am terrible at planning. Okay. (laughs) Wait, but you're the structured one. Right. But I'm terrible at planning because I like variety in food. And I love trying and like tasting new things. And, um, but Sean is just more, um, a creature of habit. Oh my gosh. He ate a peanut butter and honey sandwich for lunch and residency every day of his life. And he continues to do so as an attending. So he eats the same thing every day, but I I couldn't handle that. I couldn't, you know. So what I do, the way that I plan is I kind of pre-plan. Like I'll buy a bunch of chicken breasts and I'll salt them and I'll freeze them individually so that the night before, if I I feel like making something, I'll just take that protein out, put it in the kitchen, ready to defrost. And then in terms like the other ingredients, I basically have a menu, about a dozen items under my belt that I could make at whim whenever. And that's you know, chicken pesto pasta, sheet pan meals, um, chicken tacos, um, enchiladas, chicken tortilla soup, turkey chili that can then turn into chicken, yeah, that can turn into like um, omelets the next day. Um, you know, those types of things that are always kind of in my wheelhouse ready to go. And I have most of that um, in, in my fridge or freezer. Yeah. So I'll shred cheese ahead of time. I'll chop onions ahead of time and I'll put, I freeze a lot of things. I freeze pesto. I freeze, you know, um, marinara sauce. I freeze cheese. I freeze 
a lot of things. So that way it's already ready to go when I'm ready to cook. Ah, okay. And when do you do all this? Do you have like a certain day of the week or month you meal prep or you just, you do it whenever you feel like it? It's usually, um, when I, when I buy in bulk, it's like on the weekend and I'll prep that on the weekend. So it's, it's there during the week. I am gone from, you know, seven 30 in the morning to 6 PM. I, yeah. By the time my, my commute's an hour. So by the time I come home, I want to get a meal on the table between, you know, six forty-five and seven every day. Mm-hmm. Where do you buy in bulk? So, um, there's Costco. Um, we have a local, um, grocery store that I go to Bristol farms and, um, I get my food there. It's really close. Thankfully that, um, if I need, like, if I needed just something I could go, and I have another local like Ralph's down, literally down the street that I could go. I used to do a lot of Instacart, but, um, now that we have a different kind of schedule, interestingly, because of the pandemic starting last month, every third day we work from home and do virtual visits. And so so when we do go to the office, it's all face-to-face patient encounters pretty much. And then, you know, every third day, so we're basically home Q3. And so 60% of the time, one of us will be home on that day. So um, it allows us a little bit more freedom in terms of, oh, you know, getting something from the grocery store or running an errand or, and taking the kids to school or camp, you know, before, before they went to school, we had a nanny for all of that. Um, And now we don't ever since they started school. And luckily we found a place that has before and after care. Because otherwise, we like, how do you find a nanny that'll work, you know, two hours, <laughs> like in the morning or in the afternoon? Okay, so let's finish up with a little bit on finances, because I know, and this pertains to a little bit to what you were saying about in your first marriage, you know, you were so surprised, like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about money, I'm gonna feel the money in this family. So what does that look like in your family currently? So one of the things that I learned after the first marriage, what's really important is to have separate accounts, separate properties, right? So we have uh, his, hers, and ours. Um, he he has a little bit of family property already, and the house is under our name. But um, and I graduated from my residency program with two hundred eleven thousand dollars in debt. So I will be paying off those loans for quite some time. He did not have debt. So our individual finances look very different, but we definitely have a combined account that we basically use for um, the necessities plus um, travel, <laughs> travel and food. So okay, so you you keep under your account. Yes. Oh, okay. So that stays with okay. Your home is your mutual, and your travel is mutual. Yeah. So that that's that's how it you know works out, and you know being able to use my own you know, discretionary income on things that I want without permission is just, just makes sense. Yeah. So your paychecks each go to your own accounts. So what we do with our paychecks, we get, we put a percentage, a percentage in our combined and a percentage in our own. Got it. Okay. And then do you have, okay, so you don't eat, you don't eat out much, you, but you travel. So do you, do you like have a separate travel budget or like, how do you decide, you know, which hotels, how many trips, which airlines to buy that kind of thing and how much money you can allocate to each of those things? So do we have a travel budget? No, (laughs) (laughs) which is like the totally wrong answer, right? But that's, you know, and I think the reason why, you know, we, we, we don't like, and like I said, my husband does like all the travel stuff. He, we, you know, we have the miles, um, we have like the United Airlines 
um, and the Marriott points, you know, that's where he got married. Um, so we use a lot of that. Um, and I think one of the reasons why we don't have to spend a lot of mental energy on budgeting for travel is because we are frugal in so many other different places like home furnishing. Like we don't have any window treatments. <laughs> there is nothing on our walls. Um, you know, I don't buy like purses and bags you know, like it, and we don't go shopping a lot and we don't eat out a lot. Um, and you know, we, we are more into experiences over things. And so we may not have curtains, but good thing we are a corner house and your neighbors can't see you. <laughs> Wait, does it get dark? Does it get light early there? Like how do you have any problems with like light lighting and putting the kids no, to sleep or anything? We're in California. It, it's fine. It works out. Okay. I'm just thinking about, this. okay, little tangent here. So we're in a, we're in a three bedroom apartment temporarily while we're renovating a new house and Airbnb being our old house. And so we have resorted to um, putting up cardboard on the cardboard on the windows of my three-year-old's bedroom because the blackout curtains we got aren't quite blackout enough There's some more blackout curtains but it's so funny it's like we have cardboard taped onto our windows like you, you gotta do what you gotta do <laughs> we 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 we're definitely gonna get a second pair of blackout curtains but yeah yeah if you want her to get to sleep get her to sleep this today you know the rest of the week, we got to tape up that cardboard. So oh, for sure. But that's so exciting with all the moving and the babies and oh my goodness. Yeah, window treatments are expensive. I did have our nanny come install the, uh, nanny's husband come install the curtain rods. Okay. So yeah, no right, an no right answer, right? You, you don't have a travel budget because you have all this money saved, uh, saved from what you don't, you don't spend. And that brings you joy and it helps your marriage. I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, because like I said, he's got the pathologic version of the travel bug. <laughs> yes. Okay, did we cover everything? Was there something else we were supposed to talk about um, early on in the interview? I know, I think we were talking about your different backgrounds. Any take-home points you want to leave with our audience in regards to medicine, marriage, or money? Any words of wisdom? So there's this quote that I put on our Christmas card two years ago. I totally skipped last year sending Christmas cards because, you know, Rona. Um, but at the end of the Christmas card, I read a little letter. Um, I don't remember who said it, but it said, health is the greatest wealth and time is the greatest gift. You know, spend it wisely. And, you know, if you mess up, learn that lesson and move on you know, you can progress and move forward. And I think that ties in the whole just medicine, marriage and money, all like kind of like rolled into one. It's like, what do you really value? You know, and for us, Sean and I, we value our health. We value our family. We value um, being together. His love language is quality time in the form of travel most of the time and my love language is acts of service usually in the form of creating something in the kitchen so you know like those are the values that we always fall back on to guide us oh i love it health is the greatest wealth and time is the greatest gift yes everything beautiful thank you so much for talking with us today thank you kate oh my goodness this is so fun thank you so much For doctors, the story has changed. Visit drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash locum story for unbiased information about locum tenens and see if it should be your next chapter. And remember, locum tenens tends to trend as a godsend men to burnt out ends. 
what an amazing episode. Oh my gosh, Danielle Manalo is so much fun. And I had no idea about her story about friends at first sight and how she first met her hubby. I just love, I love the surprises. I love recording on here. You never know what somebody is going to say. So my big take-home points from Dr. Danielle Manalo. Number one. There we go. Number one. Next time you get upset or frustrated with your spouse for not doing something the way you would have done it, remember, you didn't marry you. You did not marry you. You married them, your spouse, your honey. I didn't marry Victor because he cares about being everything being placed back where it's supposed to be in its exact place, right? I mean, I can never find the scissors in my own house, but that's okay. I didn't marry him to put the scissors back in the scissor drawer. I married him for his family values. I did not marry him because of how particular he is when it comes to washing dishes. I married, or because <laughs> how often he empties the dishwasher. I married him how passionate he is about his passions because of his belief that anything is possible because of his generous heart and how deeply he cares for other human beings. This is why I married him. And do I care about the scissors being in the scissor drawer? Well, sometimes, but that's up to me to find them and put them there. Number two, health is the greatest wealth and time is the greatest gift. Dr. Danielle mentioned that quote. We don't know who wrote it or said it, but I'm gonna have to look it up. And I love it. So what does it mean? We'll never take time for granted and never take your health for granted. We often want to save money by maybe not doing things, uh, not doing things because maybe the additional cost of, I don't know, eating healthier food, uh, going to the exercise classes you want to go to. And then we also often want to save money by doing things ourselves. That takes time. Even things we don't enjoy, especially things we don't enjoy. What does this do to us? What does this do our, to our mind? To are we just sacrificing and sacrificing and not taking care of ourselves? What, what are we really saving? Are we really saving money if we're not saving our time and our health? Think about that because often this can build up resentment and lead to exhaustion and mental anguish and frustration. And you may come home and take it out on your family or your friends. Health is the greatest wealth and time is the greatest gift. Number three, if you want to improve your diet or nutrition in general, pick one thing at a time. Dr. Manalo says, don't have to do everything at once. You have to go paleo, keto, intermittent fasting, everything at the same time. Just pick one thing. Decide you want to eat one more vegetable a day than you do now. Or you're just going to get more vegetables when you go to the hospital cafeteria. Or you're going to pack a, a, a piece of fruit. Something that maybe you just don't do. Start eating more plants. Start with one or two servings a day. If you want to start, try out fasting. Well, I mean, don't be hard on yourself. This is not your thing, but you can try it out. Maybe fast for however many hours. I don't even, I don't intermittent fast, so I'm not quite sure. But I, like fasting for me would be maybe a couple hours. <laughs> uh, no, it would be a little bit more than that. But not everything will be your thing and you don't have to sacrifice. Being healthy, being nutritious does not mean you have to sacrifice and does not mean you have to starve. It is a privilege. Nutrition is a privilege. So allow it to come slowly into your life and create a lifestyle change instead of just a chore 
or a diet that will be easily discarded. Number four, parents' roles. And she said this was shared by Alan Satter. Parents' roles in a child's life of eating are to decide what, what food, and when. And the children decide if and how much. We can only control so much. Let the children control what they need to control, if and how much. And lastly, number five, marriage is not 50-50. Divorce is. I had never heard of it put, in this, put this way. I've definitely heard of marriage not being 50-50, marriage being 100-100, or fluctuating between the different percentages depending on what day it is, right? But remember, if you're looking for 50-50, you're looking for a divorce. If you are going to be saying to yourself, hey, I'm not going to try until they try. It can't just be me. Uh, I, I'm not going to show up this way until they show up that way. Remember, we may be looking at a not so hot situation. And I can't speak for everybody. Definitely not. I, uh, I don't know what your actual marriage, your relationship looks inside, but I just love that quote. Marriage is not 50-50, divorce is. And it's okay, right? It's okay to go through a divorce as well if, if you're not with your, your person and your soulmate. And sometimes you don't realize that until afterwards, like Dr. Manolo did and several other uh, people on my podcast. Sometimes they're fabulous, amazing people and they are not your match. So what do you want? What are you looking for? I hope you walk away asking yourself these questions. What are the top three reasons I married my honey? Because they're probably not the top three reasons why I love myself. What are the top three reasons I married my honey? Do I want them to be just like me? How can we be healthier as a family? Is it possible to eat more plants or serve more plants to my family? Do I allow my children to decide if and how much? That is it, my friends. Oh my gosh. If anything resonated with you in this podcast, please share it with somebody else you feel like might resonate with as well. Somebody, uh, one of your colleagues, one of your friends, one of your family members. Don't forget to leave a five-star review and a little snippet on Apple Podcasts. That's where you listen to your podcasts about what you like, what you like. And then also, if there's something you want me to hear more of or less of, just email me, Kate Mangona, Kate Mangona at medicinemarriageandmoney.com. Visit me, message me on Facebook, Kate Mangona. Message me on Instagram, same place. I'm also Medicine, Marriage, and Money. And if you want to hear more financial tips and advice and just fun stories, definitely check out my husband's Facebook group and YouTube channel, 39.6 Community. Also join my Medicine, Marriage, and Money Facebook group if you are a physician. I love you guys so much. I hope you spread happiness and wealth and health and nutrition into the lives of your families, with your friends, with your children. So much love to you and your spouse. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.